Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. We are on episode 40. Episode 40? Episode 40. And oh, my I, gosh. I know. And so for episode 40, of course, we have a very special guest here with us today. Um, my co-host on Reanimated, uh, Stuart Tiffin, is joining us. Hello, Stuart. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going well. It's going good. It's going good. Oh my gosh, we've got a reanimated Super Fantastic Dirt Hour crossover. That must mean one thing. We must be talking about zombies. Well, yeah, that that's, you know, sort of the conclusion I would hope people would come to. <laughs> um, oh, wait, whoa, whoa. I thought we were doing like My Little Pony or something. No? Oh, uh, next time, Stuart. Next oh, that's time. the other crossover. That's a Super oh. Fantastic Dirt Hour slash Bronies Unlimited mm-hmm. uh, Fair crossover. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come back again for that then. Okay. We, we hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But all joking aside or all seriousness aside... All my little ponies aside, we are talking about the season premiere of Walking Dead uh, for season five, which I am super excited to talk to you both about. Uh, This is going to be exciting. And in our crossover this week, we're going to be debating Rick season one versus Rick season five. Is that your voice for Rick? That's my Rick voice. Yeah, I got a Rick voice and I also got Rick calling Carl, which is Carl, Rick. My name's Rick. They all sound kind of the same, Ollie. It's the same person. It's Rick. I know, it's- but it's a little creepy. He kind of sounds like, hmm, he needs a lozenge. He sa- is that, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. that, that's almost similar to your Batman voice. It is. Now you're beginning to understand, Conrad, all my, all my impressions sort of, uh, there's a regression to the mean. They all eventually kind of become the same thing. Wait, wait, what wait. Do-, do your Bane impression, because that was my favorite thing. Whenever you would walk by a Bane at Comic-Con, you would like give them a shout out. I would say Bane. Yes. And I would greet them. And I'd say hello. That's a little different. (laughs) That's a little different from Rick, but, you know, pretty good. Uh, For a minute there, until the Bane impression, I thought maybe uh, Ali just heard all British actors doing American uh, action hero voices (laughs) as being this weird, like, gravel thing. But then Bane obviously throws a wrench in that because it's another British actor, isn't it? Yeah, I think he just makes them all sound a little weird myself. But it's all good. It's all good. This is what we love about Ali. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's what I do. I make sounds. Um, Conrad, what's in our top five today? Uh, top five, we are picking our top five Walking Dead characters from the television series. So so I can't wait to, to hear what people have to say or what, what you two have chosen as I rub my hands together. <laughs> I think we're going to have a lot of mind melts here. I think there's, if not in the in the number category, I think we probably will have some some overlapping. I'm hoping everyone put Andrea as number one. Crickets. Yeah. Crickets. <laughs> yeah. Pins drop. Yeah, okay. So I guess we should start off by saying, um, folks, we are going to have spoilers for everything Walking Dead up to season five. And I definitely want to mention this for our reanimated friends um, who are joining us for this episode, since I know you guys have been going in a different order with your Walking Dead discussions. So please, please, if you want to remain spoiler-free, free, um, pause. Get caught up, watch it on Netflix, download the new episode, um, and get caught up because we are going to get into all sorts of zombie spoilerage. Yes. Well, I I think if we talk about this episode, it's going to have to be all spoilers all the time. So you've been warned. You've been warned. Yeah. 
So I, I'm curious. There's a question I've been dying to ask you guys to get this discussion started. Um, you guys are zombie experts, and um, I I love I like the zombie genre, but I do not have the depth of knowledge that you guys have. Just getting into our season five discussion, what do you guys think it is about Walking Dead that separates it and um, from the other zombie shows and zombie movies and zombie stories? Um, I, I mean, I think, first of all, Walking Dead looks amazing. I think the production value is incredible. Um, I also think that the graphic novels um, have just an incredible fan base, and they were dropped at just the right time. So, you know, all you know, right now, it seems sort of like zombie is the, the monster of the, the time, the zeitgeist. Is that what you would say, Stuart? Um, but I think... You know, I think it, it basically got launched at just the right time. And clearly, since they have renewed season six before the premiere of season five even dropped, I think that it definitely has some legs. Um, and I, I think the stories of the humans are like and the weird things that they go through and the the evolution that they have to go through in their world it makes it popular. There's a lot of moral decisions. There's a lot of things that are in common with what we see today um just sort of acted out in a zombie playground but that's just one person's opinion how about you Stuart? (laughs) to echo one person's opinion in in just like different words i would just say yeah it's basically you've got the prestige television which is this beautiful thing we got going on on tv in the last couple years of super high budget high high quality production value and and the the obsession with zombies, which basically kind of started, well, I mean, it started a long time ago, but it has gained a lot of momentum as early as 2004, I would say, with with Dawn of the Dead, the the remake of that film, and you know, just keeps going, uh, and, and so now we're we're kind of just riding the top of that wave, and hoping it doesn't uh, crash. <laughs> yeah, although you know what, it's kind of funny. Everybody keeps saying, "Oh, zombies are over and whatever," but they keep going much like zombies (laughs) so i don't i also think that some of the people connected with the show i mean you have greg nicotero you've got a lot of people that really understand this genre and understand the fans i mean and is he the individual who's been involved in the makeup of uh well he is the individual (laughs) (laughs) pretty much is um he also directed this premiere which i thought was pretty cool uh, um, I gotta agree with you guys. I think the the thing that really appeals to me about this show not only is on AMC, who um, who as a network has developed such great um, dramatic television, uh, you know, from Mad Men to Breaking Bad um, and and everything in between, but it it's the it's I think it's science fiction at its best. You know, Walking Dead is really about. Um, it's about humanity. It's a story about the humans. And I always find the humans to be the scariest characters. And I find them to be the most inspirational characters and the characters I'm looking for in this show. It's not the zombie death shots and all of that that keeps me coming back. But it's it's the questions of what you would do in this impossible situation that keeps fascinating me. And it's a show, like you were saying, Conrad, it keeps going. And I'm just... I, I'm, I'm glued in. I, I love this show. Yeah. I And, you know, clearly I, I love the show. <laughs> um, and I it's it's a show I look forward to. Unfortunately, uh, Bill is not as as thrilled about this. And in fact, he 
he kind of like went back and forth, much like he did about Comic Con. Um, he was just Conrad, like, he goes back and forth about everything. He did this with uh, with uh, the Cologne Clubbers, uh, with Orphan Black. Yeah, he so so for Walking Dead, he usually makes me. He doesn't like to watch it with me. He usually makes me watch it by himself, and he decided to watch this with me. And he the entire time he was like, "How can you watch this? There must be something wrong with you." <laughs> what, what was he's it? like yeah, uh, well you know the opening scene of the premiere was pretty oh my gosh pretty well, hard on on young bill <laughs> and he like had to walk away a few times so you guys it was pretty hard on me so like, wait I, so Stuart, does holly you you have like watching parties yeah uh, it's a bit of a social event but i'm afraid and it's a little early to say still just with the only the the premiere behind us but I'm afraid that I've lost Holly to The Walking Dead, or oh, The no. Walking Dead has lost Holly rather after this uh, season premiere. She she uh, has come to me a few times since then and been like, I don't think I can watch that show anymore. Oh. And she likes watching it because she likes all the people that we get together to watch it, and and we it's the same group of people we watch Game of Thrones with, and that show also tests her yeah. her uh, boundaries a lot uh, but i think this this premiere <laughs> might have done her in um maybe maybe we should set up like a separate screening of something else for bill and holly while we watch <laughs> walking dead downton abbey christmas special yeah i think there they'd be down go. with that, that um and there was that i mean there was one point where like after the show was over bill was like thanks a lot i'm probably gonna have nightmares <laughs> and, well, and he was still yelling at me this morning <laughs> like it, it, I have sure I had nightmares after this oh, episode. Yeah. Oh, it's a vivid, intense episode, and Nuan and I love to watch Walking Dead together. Um, the thing is, though, she always makes me promise we're going to have to have a cleansing period afterwards, and I don't mean like a juice cleansing. I mean like we have to watch some 1990s sitcom comedy to sort of cleanse our neurons of what we just saw. And we also have to watch the show at a certain time. It can't be too late at night. Otherwise, the memories are a little too, bit too fresh. But I think that speaks to the, the intensity and the realism of this show. Um, so with that, maybe we should jump into this. Like, what, what did you guys think? I mean, cannibalism, um, yes, there's that. And it was intense and vivid. But in general, what did you all think of this season premiere? I, I mean, I really liked it a lot. I was very excited to see Greg Nicotero directing. That always makes me happy because it also means that the zombies are going to be featured quite a bit too. Because, um, you know, there's sometimes episodes when they're not and they're kind of in the background. Um, I thought that this was a really intense episode and I thought it posed, I mean, you always see the moral questions being posed and... There was a lot of that happening, especially with Carol's character, you know, about what decisions yeah. are being made and what path are you going to take and how is this decision different from the decision you made about other people? Um, and how are you basically, you're judging these people, but based on what and what have you done in the past? And so there was some of that going on. Um, I I thought it was pretty well done. I like the fact, I really do like the evolution of her character. Um, Carol? Yeah, because yeah. she she used to be one of the ones that I was just like, ugh, like, why do they make all the women on this show so annoying? And yeah. um, she's redeemed herself. Although, I mean, there's still things about her. I'm like, eh, whatevs. But <laughs> but she's much, she's monumentally better. I, I liked seeing her here. I liked seeing her, you know, and 
and it was interesting to to see her interaction with the other characters once they get re- reunited so um and you know it's also it's always good to see sort of the core group or the group or the Grimes clan or the the Grimes group seeing how they interact and work together there were some really good moments between him and Daryl that just shows such utter trust between them yeah the rapport and the understanding that the two of them have is uh it's it's just so cool to see that on screen yeah Stuart what was your what was your feelings about the premiere I yeah I really enjoyed the the Carol element of the story also um it, it was almost over the top like how how ninja like she's become, <laughs> uh, but it, it didn't hurt. You know, like it was still something that it was just a thrill to be along with her on that kind of journey. Um, it, sometimes, I'm, I I watch The Talking Dead after I watch The Walking Dead, and usually that accompaniment of a show uh, enriches the experience. But then this time it was Scott Gimple and um, Nicotero and Conan O'Brien, weirdly, and. Um, he, some of was stuff, he hosting Conan or uh, Chris uh, Hardwick? Chris Hardwick hosts, but Conan yeah, was yeah. Uh, also on the couch. Oh wow, interesting! Yeah, it was. No, it was, it was. He was hilarious, of course. Um, and but some of the things that they revealed made me think that actually this episode. And this is after the fact. This is not a gut instinct reaction. This is like, kind of like a second thought reaction. Was that maybe they tried to put a little bit too much into this episode? Interesting. It, it is, when when you have some of the uh, some of these elements explained to you after the fact, you're like, oh, wow, I would never have guessed that unless somebody had actually explained that to me. It's almost like this episode needed a, um, you know, like a second screen tablet telling you like the backstory mm-hmm. of what was going on in a way. What, can you give an example? Cause I didn't, I didn't yeah. watch it. Well, so one of the, uh, one example is that um, Gareth, who is the kind of the leader, I guess, or middle management at Terminus, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who holds the knife to uh, Bob's, face as yep. it were mm-hmm. he um he has a brother uh who is shown in some of the flashbacks and who was killed at the end of season four um he was shot by a termite while rick was holding him kind of like hostage i don't know if you recall that scene yeah um and then it, it turns out that i forget i forget this guy's name but this is gareth's actual like sibling his brother and that is him on the butcher table getting chopped up uh, while the guys are landed up at the, at the trough. Oh, wow. Like, I would never have uh, figured this out. Oh, see, I didn't realize that, and I was kind of wondering who the dude on the slab was. Yeah, yep, same here. That's the dude who was shot in the, at, the end of, uh, at the end of season four. And the other, um, the other connection that I never would have gotten was crazy tattoo face guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you recall him coming out of the, uh, the, the container? Yep. Was mm-hmm. um, the evil bad guy who was shown in the flashback at, towards the end of the episode. Oh, I did get that. Oh, and so what What was it that he kept saying? We're all the same? Or yeah, something? I'm like you, or we're like, yeah, basically yeah. he was thinking, I assume, if, if he wasn't just completely hysterical and crazy, he was assuming that Rick was like he was, because he had taken over Terminus from the people who were running it yeah. as, a, as a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, interesting. It's, it's, yeah, to me, it was, though, it was almost like a bridge too far. They were putting so much... I mean, H.A., you say that you, you picked up on that. Did you see his tattoos or something in the dark? I couldn't yeah, make out. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, then that must be the tattoo guy. But it didn't... Honestly, it didn't click exactly why he was saying that. So I didn't... 
you know, re- but I think it sounds like you're correct and that they were trying to cram a lot into that. See, this um, is where I go back and forth between watching Talking Dead. Uh, I think sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot that is spelled out and revealed, and I've got such mixed feelings about that because part of it is I, I want to let things percolate in my head for a bit. And um, I would, I keep, and then the honest reason is I just keep forgetting to add it to my DVR. Um, <laughs> I just don't record it. But I would almost rather watch it and then give it some time and space, let it incubate, and then come back to Talking Dead in like a day or two or something like that. Um, but I, I thought, you guys, this was, it, 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 there was a lot crammed in here, and it was all the sort of pieces that make Walking Dead great, um, uh, from the makeup to the special effects um, to the conti- what I really love about the zombies is continuing to see a lot of diverse diversity in the zombies. That's great. But you had the morality and the ethics and the social commentary of, you know, uh, with the scene with um, Judith, um, as well as the scenes with uh, the termites and the cannibalism. So the questions of what do you do? And I, I thought the scene with Judith sort of brought back some memories of those of that classic MASH episode. You know, would you kill this baby just kind of uh, to save the group? So there's those elements. Um, there was the slash and the violence and the gore and all of that. Um, it was horrifying, and in some ways, it felt like it was. Um, it felt, in some ways, like a little bit of a reboot. Um, but I really liked the episode overall, even though so much was crammed into it. There was really only one major thing I didn't like, which was how all the zombies just sort of appeared, and all of a sudden there was this uh, massive invasion of zombies at Terminus. That seemed kind of to just happen. Um, oh well, they're kind of. I mean, they're kind of already wandering around, and I think one of the things that you know, the fireworks and that kind of thing, is yep. that they're attracted to them. So you tend to get them swarming a lot more when you ha- make big noise. So I don't think they just appeared. But so you think I it think- was more um, Carol who sort of made yeah, that happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because when they showed her sort of watching what was going on, there was quite a few that were hanging out, and then they kind of got focused. Um, in well, terms that makes of, me in think terms Judith is just, or Carol is just so much more hardcore than I Well, she is, and even you realize. know, did you notice that she actually looked pretty good in zombie blood? I was kind of impressed by that. <laughs> it's a good mud mask. It was very artfully applied. I mean, she definitely Mm -hmm. didn't look anything like when, remember when Rick and Glenn did that in season one? Oh, yeah, back in season one. They looked horrible. They looked disgusting. Um, She kind of looks, she kind of looked like she was in the movie Predator. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like Arnold Schwarzenegger with the mud camouflage. You know, she was very Predator just in this episode. Um, Uh, But, um, yeah, so I, I like that. I also, I did. One of the things I really liked with relation to the zombies and the makeup was that I liked the the pretty wide range of, you know, and this is something that they've talked about and Greg Nicotero has talked about, like, this is pretty far into whatever has happened. So you have a lot of zombies that are kind of falling apart and you you see many different stages of decomp. And then to sort of put them against the newer Risen so the people that were trying to slaughter Rick and his group, they were like, we're, we're not going to, we're going to let them turn. 
And then when you saw them wandering out and just seeing the difference between what they looked like and some of the zombies that have been kicking around for a while, I thought that was pretty cool. One of those butchers looked like he turned in about 10 minutes. Yeah, he turned pretty quickly, huh? Oh, that was great. Seeing that butcher come out, um, that was great. Did you guys catch the updated intro? Yeah. I loved it. Um, Was it last season where you had that close-up of the insects kind of early on? I never really liked that version as much. But this one um, with just – there's a a cut in it where you see this one blurry walker – and it just, it just feels so terrifying and so lonely, this this intro. Really enjoyed it a lot. I think all their intros are pretty creepy, but this one was this one was pretty good. I, I don't remember any scene except for now, The Walker in the Field, which was from season two, actually, yep. AJ. We, we talked about that episode mm. uh, recently. But um, do they still have the, the doorknob going back and forth? I don't, I don't think so. I think so, yeah. I think that part's gone. I always really liked that. I liked that too. That was a good. Yeah. That was a cool thing. Um, and, th- and that felt very classic zombie genre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, the other thing I really liked in this episode is that you did have a couple of very interesting dialogues. You had the one between Carol and the sanctuary woman, um, and you know, they're both kind of going back and forth about how it could have been different. They could have been, she could have been one of them and all this sort of thing. And Carol's pretty much like, no. And then makes a decision to like shoot her in the leg and leave her to the walkers. Um, And then you also have the conversation between Tyrese and the guy in the cabin. And the guy in the cabin is, is sort of like, you know, why don't you just why kill me? Why are you me? saving the baby? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, not just why yeah. are you saving the baby? Why are you like leaving me alive? What are you stupid? Yeah. You know, and, and that I thought that those two were really interesting parts of this show. When, and I love what he said. Um, holding on to babies kind of like saving an anchor when you're out in the middle of an ocean and like you don't have a boat or something like that. And that's where I think it was Walking Dead was getting back to some of these um, kind of moral questions. And it's that part of the story that I I really enjoy. That's the part of the comic that I really like. And that's that's what I really like about the Telltale video game um, and the kind of – putting you in those situations of asking those questions. I loved those moments. And that's why this episode, I think I might have said it felt like a reset. And that's not probably the wrong word choice here. But it felt like it was um, laying out there again what this show is all about. Um, And it was responding to maybe some criticism of past seasons. It was saying, look, we are going to get back to these big ideas about what it means to be a human living in this inhumane environment. We are going to put our characters into situations where um, you really get a chance to see what separates them from the other humans around them. And you're going to get some zombies exploding on fire and people are going to be badass, including Rick. <laughs> um, so it, it sort yeah, of... Yeah, he's no longer just farming. Yeah, <laughs> he's not just farming. Um so and they're and they're going to be on the move, and um, we'll see what happens from there. But it, it did feel like it was kind of clearly laying out which way they're headed with the uh, season. I don't know that they are well because you know because then there's also that part where Glenn's like, we need to let these people out of their like, you know, out of the box cars. That's who we are, and then they let the guy out, and he's a mess and endangering them. 
But they still did. They still let him out. Yeah, but then he got eaten by zombies pretty quickly. So sort of is that a commentary on, well, if this is who we are, wait, what? Who are we? So I feel like it's a little bit more open-ended than than maybe it sounds like you do. <laughs> so I, I, I do know. think. I, I do think in these situations they lean towards a quote doing the right thing, even though it in many times um, it has some consequences. And then we see characters like Carol, who you know Rick sort of said, "You got to leave the prison. We can't have you here anymore." Um, and you see him doing the right thing, but in some ways it's 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 not the smartest thing to be doing. So I think. I think they always lean, or this group of characters, this cast, does try to lean towards um, uh, being good. Um, but we do see the consequences of that. Like we saw in that scene with that, there, they did free that guy and he turned out to put himself or put, put the others in danger. Okay, but then let's also talk about the Carol situation. Because Carol right, made yeah. some decisions in the prison that that's the reason why uh Rick pretty much sent her on his on her way, yeah. And it's Carol's decisions in terms of what she did in in getting them out of the prison, and she's the one who got them out. Yep. So, yep. you know, I agree. I don't think I. <laughs> I don't think I don't, Rick should have uh, sent her out like that. Well, but it's also I don't know. It, it's I, I think I think it, it's it's part of the beauty of this show that every character has these moments of weakness and, and every character is flawed yeah. because you've got Carol, Carol doing that was, in my opinion, was preemptive. They didn't have to, ki- she didn't have to kill them before they were dead. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that it wouldn't have alienated Rick or potential, I mean, or Tyrese if she had waited until those two people, I mean, they kept them under watch and killed them if, when they expired from the disease uh, or, you know, not killed them after they were dead, but, you know, put the, the spike in their head or whatever, and then set them on fire. She she acted preemptively and without and unilaterally and that was that wasn't the right thing to do, but then Rick has the same. I mean, Rick has gone off the handle crazy, insane before, and in this episode is the minority voice saying we should go back now that we've escaped and kill everybody left in there because yeah. they should they don't deserve to live. <laughs> no, and then it was there were three other voices of reason saying nope, that's not what we're going to do, and and so like this group. What I like about it is that it's kind of like a, a school of fish. It's like not one person is leading it. It's kind of all these minute, you know, corrections by everybody else is kind of keeping them going in the right direction. No, yeah. I, I totally agree. I just think it's it's funny. It's almost like Rick was so happy to see Carol, and it, I was almost expecting him to be like, you've been off the rails before. You'll support me in going back to kill everybody, won't you? <laughs> like, I was wondering if that's what it was going to if that's the turn it was going to take. Um, but hey, no. you're right. That, it's, the beauty of the show is really in the group and seeing their discussions, seeing how they navigate and think about these impossible situations that they find themselves in. And um, I really enjoyed that last part, too, to see uh, the voices of reason and how they're responding to Rick. And I know we're going to talk about Rick a lot in the crossover, um, but that's... It's interesting how all of these characters um, have engaged in something that was gray or something that was clearly wrong. And I think that speaks to um, how much 
this context and being put in this impossible situation makes it hard to stick to your morals, makes it hard to to know what's right or wrong. And that's, you know, people, we, we often like to think that people are good and evil and we forget to think about the context and the environment and how that is influencing all of this. And Walking Dead does a great job of showing that, of showing how much the situation influences each individual. Well, it does. And I think the point about the group dynamics that both of you have made is correct, is that it is it is partially who you are surrounding yourself with in these scenarios because the people in the sanctuary in their minds they were right they had originally been this place that was a sanctuary they all got treated very badly horribly and took it back and made a couple of really interesting turns to end up where they were and ended up cannibalizing people and not just cannibalizing people but luring people in yeah. And cannibalizing people. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but there is something about, I mean, and this is probably just a hardwired thing in humans, but when they had, when they were showing the people basically strung up like in like a slaughterhouse cattle. and yeah. the fact that they were keeping them, it's really disturbing. Um, yeah. So, you I'm know, really it, glad you guys, I wasn't eating during that. Scene. No, I, I have learned not to eat during <laughs> the walking dead. Do you guys eat during your viewing parties, Stuart? No. I was going to say. No. You have snacks? No, not at all. You have like no. popcorn? I think I could do no, popcorn, maybe. <laughs> You're like, no, no. No, there's nothing nothing, nothing being consumed. Just. Maybe alcohol, <laughs> yeah. just to dull the pain. Just to dull it a little bit. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, but but I, Honestly, the, the termites were borderline unjustifiable evil. You right. know, like yeah. they're they're like past Nazis They're And that's pretty far on the extreme of unjustifiable evil right there. Uh, so it, as far as like a trope for, for television, there's, there are a few, <laughs> a few villains less difficult so, to, to, to kill them all than, than cannibals, especially when they're luring them under yeah. false pretenses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, even on, again, to, to refer to the talking dead, they did a poll should, um, should all the termites have been killed? Like should Rick's plan have been put into action and 97% of respondents and I have no idea how out of how many that is. Very unscientific poll, but they all said yes. Yeah, they, they should well, that's sense. that's where I feel like this was um, a re uh, reinforcing of the Walking Dead's mission statement. This is what we're going to focus on. This is what the show is all about. Let, let's show you pure evil. You thought the governor in Woodbury was bad? Um, well, they took people in and didn't eat them. So <laughs> here is here is a far worse place. Um, and he, he, this is how our characters respond to this, even after all the all the traumatic stuff they've been through. Did either of you, getting to some of the, the things we didn't like about the episode, um, did either of you feel like, okay, we've invested so much in the story about getting to Terminus, we finally got there in the end of the last season, and now it's kind of wrapped up in one episode? Was there any sort of... Um, cognitive dissonance here about mm-hmm. like how much we had invested and now it's all wrapped up. Not really. I was actually really psyched yeah. uh, only because I kind of, I am one of those people that feels like some of the stuff at the prison and the scene and the the whole thing with the prison, I feel went on, uh, felt like too it dragged long. on too long for me. Yeah. So I kind of like the fact that, okay, we got here. This is hell. Let's get us out. Um, and, and they got out and they're not looking back. I, I really like that, but that could just be me. There were a lot of episodes dedicated to the idea of Terminus and to that concept of a sanctuary 
that wasn't of their own making, um, which was, you know, the kind of the attractive uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And so they spent, yeah, like you said, they spent a lot of time building it up. And, but I think as an audience, we were all cognizant that it could be a trap. I don't, I think by this point, the trust in uh, trust in your fellow man is fairly fairly low in the Walking yeah. Dead universe, mm-hmm. so it, it could have gone either way. And and but I think as a mission statement or whatever, like you said, or a topic sentence for the rest of the season, burning it down is is a really interesting way to start. But you know, where do you go from here? I guess yeah, is the question. yeah, and uh, that's the same here. I was more excited to see. I was really excited to see Carol kick a lot of butt, and then um, I was excited to see them get out of there because that would have been. Oh, that would have been like pulling teeth to be trapped with cannibals for like 16 episodes. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I really was happy to see them say goodbye to the cannibals very quickly. We don't need to spend any more time on that. Um, So was there anything you guys really didn't like about this, about this premiere? um, The the only thing, I'll just echo a little bit of, of what Stuart was saying. There was a lot crammed in. And there was a little bit of that, the ending, it took me a minute to recognize that that was a flashback at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little, it was a little disjointed. So I I wasn't quite on board with that. Although I did figure, I figured out who that was supposed to be. But, um, and that, you know, I felt like that sort of tagged on at the end was supposed to somehow justify what they had become or give you a sense of why they had become that way to give you a little peek into that. But I don't feel like it did what it what they were trying to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that. I, I wasn't so on board with that. Everything else, though, I, I definitely liked where the story was going. I liked where the group ended up. I definitely liked having the different voices talk Rick down. Um, and the little aside where people are like, yeah, we'll have to talk to him about that later. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. like Rick, Rick needs to, to take it down a notch. Um, although, I mean... This is relatively even keeled from what we saw last season. So um, so really, I don't have a lot of objections. I'm really excited to see the rest of the season. And um, right now, I'm this, this premiere is, I think, one of my favorites so far, other than maybe the first season when it and first came not, out. Not just yours, Conrad, but um, a massive, massive ratings hit. Um, I think The Walking Dead got a record 17.3 million viewers, which is not only their biggest premiere, but it's also uh, it's it's giving the networks a run for their money. ABC, Fox, CBS, um, NBC, the major networks. Cable TV usually does not get this amount of viewers for an episode. So it seems like a lot of people were excited about it. Um, what about you, but, Stuart? Did you have any yeah. any major objections? Uh, well, I want to just give one more positive note before I get into my objections, of which I have a couple. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Bit of a negative, Nancy. Uh, so I was really psyched. Like after last season, last season to me was a lot about getting the band back together because mm-hmm. uh, you had all at the end of last season, you had a lot of these little groups of people, and you were hoping that they wouldn't just get picked off. Um, and and by the end of this episode, we totally with the one one notable exception. I know. Uh, young Beth is still out there somewhere. Uh, we've got the band back together. But that, that final scene or one of those final scenes when you see them all walking together, I was I had this realization that was like, oh, goodness, that is way too many people and some of well, them have to die. Yeah, but that's a given, no? 
<laughs> and then I, I try to start my triage list. I'm like, okay, who from a storyline perspective is expendable? And the list is quite long also. So I think we're, we're definitely going to see some of those uh, people that we've gotten to know pretty well at this point. Uh, yeah. They're they're definitely going to be some casualties this season. Um, I found myself missing Herschel a lot, um, but I know that that's, you know. Well, of course. You're you know, they sell gonna... posters. You, you should buy a poster and put it up on your wall. Yeah. Herschel. Yeah. Conrad, I've been I've been missing Herschel for a long time. It's that was brutal. That was yeah. Um, it's and a it's just I mean, granted, I know I know that their mobility would be difficult if you had had him in the group, and I know that. But I just his voice and his voice like sort of in the in the uh, in Rick's ear and in everybody else's ear is kind of you know that was that was definitely a very cool part of the show. He, he played the same type of character as John Locke did on Lost. This mm. sort of this man of faith that was a counterpoint to Rick. Um, it, he was a great character. I, yeah. I really miss him as well. Um, Conrad, on the last episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Art, we were talking about uh, New York Comic Con and how you and I had trouble getting to the Walking to Dead panel. Well. Um, there was a lot uh, looking at the news of that panel, pretty much the cast was like constantly crying and they're talking about how devastating the season is going to be and how it's going to be really tough, really intense and really good. I'll leave this with crocodile tears. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. Just kidding. (laughs) Get into what Stuart said. I think we're going to be losing some of our faves. There were a lot of people on screen. There were, were, you know, the thing about this show, which is just like Game of Thrones, which I think it's perfect that you have these the same people over for both shows, Stuart, because the same thing happens whenever you're happy, whenever things are good for a moment, that's when you need to be careful. Because the moment you get happy on a show like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, it's going to be ripped away from you very quickly and you're going to start crying. Yeah. So wait, so Stuart, that was your other positive note? Or that, was your... my... <laughs> that was my That was a positive note is that a lot of people are going to die this season. <laughs> nice. Uh, but... nice. I like how you the think. Only... My little nitpicks uh, were two of the zombie kills, at least two of them that I can think of, were... I feel like not Nicotero 2014. They were like Nicotero 1990. Uh, and those were the zombie nose biter, which if you watch the replay of it, it's just, it's a, obviously a puppet and there's just gouts of blood pouring over everything. Do you, it's a, one of the termites gets attacked by a burning zombie, like falls yeah. on him. But isn't yeah. that deliberate? Isn't that a reference from one of the other movies? Yeah, it could be, but I, I don't the think it's a spider zombie. I, I feel like they're better than that. They're the quality of the effects are usually better than that. And then the, I thought uh, that um, that was being deliberately um, silly, but maybe I'm wrong. See, that's I the can- thing we'll, we'll never know because if anyone will ask him, he'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that was deliberate," even though if, uh, if maybe it was a mistake. Mm, and it no, just but usually he like points out the ones that are references sometimes. So sorry, what was the other one, Stuart? The other, zombie? the other one was um, a similar it – was, it was basically like both of these um, zombie – this was actually – one was a zombie killing a person. The other one is a zombie getting killed. Was a pipe being uh, – a, a zombie's head getting thwacked by a, a length of pipe and kind of bursting and the eyeball pops out. Oh, yeah. I did notice that and I thought that was a little over the top. It's just it's just like not – I feel like we've we've gotten to I, – maybe I expect more CGI and these were obviously like physical effects – and my brain is now trained to like appreciate CGI better. I don't know if, if I'm like just a, a jilted audience member 
or something. But it was uh, I didn't uh, I didn't feel the love for these effects in, in this episode. I did enjoy when when Daryl takes out the zombie for Rick and Rick doesn't even really look behind him because he knows Daryl's there. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that, that was a close one. I mean, wow. It was I, I really t- close, but it was like so efficient. And it's like, Daryl, they better not kill Daryl. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and also, you've, you've both mentioned that the, the diversity of zombie effect or zombie makeup was a, a plus for you. And I, I would say that I feel like it's been a day since the end of season four or not even. It might even be the same day as, as the end of season four. And yet, I feel like we're seeing an evolution in zombie makeup that I would not have expected to have happened so soon. Oh, uh, you, like you zombies think- missing noses and lots of their of the, the jaw, and like there's more decomp going on than I would attribute to a day. Mm. Well, you mean you mean zombies that you knew of people that had been zombified? Not necessarily. No, I don't know these zombies. Like I haven't seen their their backstory, but it's. <laughs> I just feel like we weren't seeing zombies with this level of decomposition, with the exception of like mossy zombie from season four. Uh, mm. Suddenly now we're seeing like I feel like there's been an effort made in season five to make the zombies look even more decomposed, but like- not taken into account that it's only been a day since season four. Ended. I feel like um, I th- I feel like we're seeing we saw some of that. I feel in st- in season four. I also think that this is like a different, a little bit of a different area. And you've got them coming in from all over, so they can all be at different levels. Um, so I wasn't really that bothered by it. But I guess I do see what you mean, though, in that a lot of them look that way. So there's not that much diversity. Perhaps it, it was the, the plethora of noseless zombies that, that <laughs> caught my eye. <laughs> the face I, is falling really, off. The face is falling off. And I'm really impressed by your guys' memories of individual zombies on this show. <laughs> it's, it's really well, I, what I actually really What I really like is that the zombie extras, there's actually this one cheerleader that like pays her way through college by being a zombie extra on the show, and she has like a whole fan following. Whoa. And so there's different zombies on the show that... They're like they're zombie extras that actually have like a following and people spot them. I, I am not that good. Weren't you telling me that there's also um, on the set, there's like a the zombies kind of hang out together. The rest of the cast are together and they don't really mix too much and stuff like that. I don't think I told you that. <laughs> Maybe that was Talking Dead or something Maybe. else. <laughs> but um, I, I've got a nitpick for you guys. Um, well, not as much as a nitpick. It's just something um, it's not really a storyline I care too much about. Um, the whole storyline about the cure and about um, we got to get we got to get this guy. We got to get Mullethead to uh, DC. Um, I, I did like how they fleshed that out a little no pun intended i guess i I did like how they gave us a little bit more information about that in this episode and how um i love the idea that the cure we were actually talking about is a biological weapon i thought that was interesting um and i also think that has interesting implications because pretty much everyone's infected so what does that mean how would you do that but that's still just not a storyline i'm interested going back to the last season when that was introduced and when the whole we got to get determinus was introduced i just felt like it was a red herring this is not good news it's not really going to take us anywhere and we had sort of explored a little bit of that with this idea of going to the cdc in season one so it's just not something i really feel like is going anywhere or is going to go anywhere yeah but if you don't have that as a storyline 
they're just hanging out near Atlanta, right? Well, and which that's... is why you have them like stuck at the prison, and you I, like I feel like you need something to move the storyline along, um, don't you, Stuart? I, I agree that it is a uh, helpful, if not like kind of a a bit of a mallet of a plot device. Um, we'll see. I mean, in the comic books, uh, are, are we all uh, read sufficiently uh, read up in comics? I don't think Ollie is, but I am. I am not, but I enjoy them. <laughs> well, this 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 is a storyline that exists in wait, the books. Wait, hold on one second. You've read like one, right, Ollie? I've read some. Some? That, how many? Uh, I've read some of the early ones. Ah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Stuart. Well, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna Stuart spoil this for, though because. This is, you know, beyond season five. We don't know where this is going. Right. And they could go in a completely different direction from the books. But it's it's kind of a throwaway plot device in the books is all I'm going to say. Yeah. Mm. Well, what I do like about the show is how it weaves in and out of the book's continuity. Um, I really do enjoy that, how it kind of harmonizes and honors the books. And that's like like with the storyline with Lizzie. I thought they did a really nice job of of handling that. Um, But also having something unique and interesting so that the fans of the book are kind of new to what's happening on the TV show as well. Um, but this this kind of gets to some of the criticism of the show. Uh, Screen Junkies recently had an episode about uh, asking the question, is Walking Dead a good show? And they had this little bit of a debate. And one of the downsides was, well, the show is a pretty simple f- formula. You know, run, find safety. You realize things aren't safe. There's lots of zombies. And then you have to go running again. Um, I'm okay with that formula. I mean, that's a formula of the comics. The comics don't really have an end in sight. They're, they're going on and on because I don't think the show is really about that. I think that's the formula of the show, but the show is really about these characters in these situations and what happens as a result. So um, I'm okay with it. I don't need a MacGuffin that's not really going to go anywhere. Eh, I think you kind of need something to move it forward and you need reasons for them to be you need them to have a goal. Um, and I think the audience needs them to have a goal, even if it's a goal that turns into nothing. Well, with that, where do you guys want to see this season go? Well, I think clearly they're going to DC. <laughs> so and I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything along that. I don't know that we can, AJ. No. Um based on what Gimple was saying on Talking Dead, we're gonna see some he was saying we're going to see places we've might have already seen before, but not in the way we've seen them. Oh, is one of the oh, cryptic things he said on that show. So, okay, I, maybe we'll get to DC, but I think it's going to be a bit of a journey. And and based on the books, there was a long story arc where they were on the road, and and I I enjoy. I think I think that could be a really interesting way to spend a season. Is just because uh, they kind of they've skipped over a lot of their being on the road storylines like between uh, the end of season two and the beginning of season three they there was basically like a whole winter that they just didn't Went really out. pay much attention to yeah, while they were going yeah. from house to house so. and i think you're right that they they kind of skimped over the the traveling piece so maybe we'll see more of that and i think that's a good piece to see i i totally agree with you guys i think that's piece of the story that we haven't seen too much and we have we spent a lot of time in previous episodes being stuck in one place whether it's Woodbury whether it's the prison um or the farm or the farm (laughs) yeah yeah let if we are going to go to DC and if we are going to travel across all of these states 
man, that would be really interesting to see them traveling the perils of that and also seeing the landscape cha- landscape change. And then we can get into some of the more interesting diversity of the zombies and, and all of that. Um, that would be a really interesting show. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else to add, gentlemen? Yeah, you know what I want to see is I want to see the full Bear McCrary score to this show released. Um, they still haven't done that. They've they've released a, a soundtrack that has some songs inspired by The Walking Dead and uh, the title sequence, but I, I'd like to see his full score released sometime this season. I know that's totally random and not what we're talking about, but I want that. Weirdo. Uh, one last <laughs> thing that I have to mention would be that uh, the Morgan. Oh, Yeah. I would, and what is that all about? Yeah. Mm. No, mm. I was I was wondering that too, whether they were going to loop that back. I was that would caught me completely off guard. I yeah. Have to be honest. Yeah. So many things for us to find. Did they out. say anything about that in Talking Dead, Stuart? Gimple is is Hinting. if you've ever seen Kirkman on that show on Talking Dead, these guys say a lot without saying. Well, actually, they say very yeah. little without saying very much. <laughs> uh, he's just like it's so almost like they've been coached. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I think beyond belief. He said, um, so the last time we saw Morgan, he wasn't very good around about being around people. And based on the fact that he seemed to be going towards Terminus, now he is okay with being around people. I think that was kind of the extent. And he's like, he's no he's no longer where he was. And it looks as if he's going to someplace new. (laughs) So take what you will from all of that non-information. Yeah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know a character we have a lot of information about, Conrad? I, I think I know Rick. where you're going with this. <laughs> Are you ready? I am. Is Stuart ready? Oh, boy. <laughs> Let's venture into the infinite crossover Welcome. chamber. <laughs> That was good. That was better than the Rick impression. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lozenge. <laughs> yeah. The zombies would have a lozenge. Um, I called an audible. I, I was going to do a, a, a Carl thing, but you kind of poo-pooed it a little bit early on, so I, I went with my zombie impression. Well, we got, like, a few impressions there, you know. Uh, yeah. Pretty, a little bit good. of Bane. And some Bane, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> Conrad, why must we evoke Bat- Batman in every episode of this show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Conrad, we're in the infinite crossover chamber. Um, what we do in this chamber is we pit characters, stories, ideas against each other. And because we're in this crossover chamber, any character from any point of time can meet each other for a epic debate. And in this episode, Conrad, I think this might be the first time we're doing this. It's the same character facing off against the same character, but from mm-hmm. a different point of time. Who is in the crossover today? Uh, in the crossover today is Rick Grimes from season one of The Walking Dead versus Rick Grimes from season five of The Walking Dead. Um, wow. And the question is going to be, which Rick um, do you trust more as your zombie apocalypse leader? Well, all right. So, should we start with season one, Rick? Um, sure. I'm curious to hear what Stuart has to say about this. First of all, yeah. off the bat, my like my whole answer. Yeah, because I, I don't have a very lengthy <laughs> answer. I That's just okay. Just, okay. So, trustworthy based on trustworthiness alone as a leader. 
I would go with season five, Rick, uh, because I trust that he is a man of action, which he wasn't <laughs> in season one um, enough of anyway. And um, while he was a more likable person in season one, likable Rick is not zombie apocalypse leader Rick. And so just like from a very binary point of view, that is my answer would be season five, Rick. Um, I also am going with season five, Rick. Um, because even though season five, Rick is a little unbalanced, um, he is decisive, as you said, and, and season one, Rick was in this leadership position, but asking a lot of questions and not really doing anything. Um, and from a trustworthy, like, I guess you have to sort of define what trustworthy means. And I guess, do you trust this person to get you through the the junk and and you know Rick had no Rick was going to get them out of that slaughterhouse in season five he got them out of that comp you know the compound of the sanctuary, um, and he didn't falter and in fact he was going to go back and take everybody out which was maybe taking it a little bit too far but you know I think in terms of getting me to the next level um, I'm going to go with Rick season five how about you Ali. Well, I think it, you kind of alluded to my point right here, Conrad, when you said it's all about how you define trust. Like, If we're defining trust as you believe this is a man of his word, then I think you got to go with season one Rick. That Rick was a little bit less... Um, he was a little bit more innocent, but he was a little bit more of a man of his word, um, trying to do the right thing, uh, going back to trying to save Merle. Um, he, he might not have been as an effective of a leader, but the way we've worded this is who would you trust more as a leader? Season five, Rick, this guy has been through a lot. You know, Whereas season one, Rick was trying to figure out what had happened. He was trying to discover his family. He was very hopeful and optimistic about the CDC thing and all of that. Season five, Rick uh, has lost a lot of people. He's lost his wife. He, um, his son was almost raped. Um, this is an individual who's been through a lot. You know, he was going through a period while at the prison where he was, uh, dealing with lots of really powerful psychological experiences, um, maybe having hallucinations, maybe having delusions. We're not sure what was going on over there. Um, but this is, this is a man who has really struggled. He's, he's resilient and he, he's a really strong member of the team. I don't know if he's a person I would want as the leader of my team. Hmm. So you're you're going to ask me for an answer? Yes. Because I kind of don't have one. <laughs> um, I, I think season one, Rick is more of a trust trustworthy man. However, he's not the better leader. I think season five, Rick um, is not that trustworthy, and I don't necessarily want him to be a leader. I want him on my team. If I had to pick one person to be on my team, I'd go for season five, Rick. Um, but if I, if I have to pick between these two, I don't know. I don't know who to pick. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think in, given this question, you're looking for your, your apocalypse leader. You don't get to pick. Uh, he's picking you. And the downside is <laughs> season five, Rick would never pick any three of us. That's true. Season one, no. Rick might. No, no, he wouldn't. 
He, yeah. he doesn't trust anybody. But season one, Rick, he would have let us all into the group. So maybe the real answer is the only the only apocalypse leader uh, that we would have been able, had a shot at would have been season one. Maybe. <laughs> but we also don't know what we would have been like after being through five seasons of this either. So maybe he would have picked us, but only after we had been through all the stuff that he had been through. So season well, one, H.A. versus season five, H.A. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully season I, five H.A. still had her glasses going on or something. Because that's oh something gosh. I always think about. Like, what would happen if I lose my glasses? I'm totally blind. I would have a hard time telling apart zombies and humans without my glasses. I can also tell you that Alima 2 would probably not make it out of the Manhattan outbreak. I think yeah, I think yeah, both of us are quickly. done. You have a better chance of survival, Stuart. <laughs> Wine country. Wine country. Right, I'll hightail it to Georgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't go to Terminus. Um, I, you guys, I gotta, I'm voting season one, Rick, um, just because I think I could shake this man's hand and we would have some type of uh, understanding between the two of us. I think season five, Rick, I'd go to shake his hand. He might grab me and pull a knife on me or something. Yeah, I don't want, to, want him to shake my hand. I just want him to get me out of cannibal eating compounds. So, Well, that's a different question, Conrad. Then you go season but five. That, right? But that, yeah, that's what I said. I, I mean, I when I say trust, I mean I trust you to get me through. So that's that's what I'm going for. Although I agree with Stuart, none of us would be on his team in season five. No. So we got two for season five. We got one for season one. Uh, dear listeners, please let us know who you think wins this epic infinite crossover chamber battle. Is it Rick season one or <laughs> nice. is it Rick season five? See, if I just keep saying it enough, it becomes a little bit more funny. Um, <laughs> so with that, let's close up the infinite crossover chamber and um, – uh, stumble in a zombie-like way into our top five. Conrad, what do we have on our top five this week? Uh, top five are, are each of our top five Walking Dead characters from the television series. Um, so so I, I got a feeling we're going to have some mind melts, but I'm curious to hear how you got... What was your criteria for selecting a character for your top five? Um, whether I still like them in season five? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that then, like, if you're a dead character, you can't count. No, no. I'm. I went through a scope. Uh, there, there's different characters that are no longer with us that I liked clearly. Um, um, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna start out the top five by saying Herschel is my number five. Oh, so. yeah. He's, um, he was, yeah. you know, I miss his voice. I missed him as a character. I also, you know, in terms of like the ages of people on the show, he was one of the more sort of senior type characters, um, you know, and in a former life, he was, you know, the head of a Vegas like mafia type situation in, you know, CSI. So we know he, he's been through some stuff, um, <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know. Do you do either of you watch CSI? Not enough. Yeah, no. he was he played like Sam Braun, who was like he was a recurring character, so I was very excited to see him on Walking Dead. So I was really he was pretty cool. He went through a lot. He lost a leg and he was still kicking it and doing really awesome stuff. Um and so yeah, so he's been number five. That's a good pick. He was on my honorable mention. Um I really like that character and I think 
he's another character who went through such an arc um, from the beginning when he was trying to save the zombies and as a man of faith and, and this belief that maybe there's something that could be done for these people. And then you see where this character goes and he, he's still throughout this whole time protective of his family um, all the way to the bitter end and just um, one of the most brutal and heart-wrenching deaths um, on this show. When Nuana and I were watching that episode, I think she, she screamed the same way she screamed during a specific very bloody event in uh, Game of Thrones um, just because it was so sad, so sad to see him go. What was your Good number? Oh, yeah, thank you. What was your number five, Stuart? Oh, my number five, and, and Ali, you had asked earlier what kind of uh, criteria we used, and I um, maybe unfairly based my entire top five on the petulometer based on uh, how petulant and how frequently petulant these characters were and so how much <laughs> I enjoy watching them on screen. Ah, so, but that's sort of similar to my, my gauge, Stuart. Yours is kind of like the inverse. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's like, do I still, do I like not hate this character? It was kind of like the... <laughs> uh, I guess so. No, um, I, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so number five uh, was young Carl um, because he... Really? I'm surprised. He is, well, uh, he's never yeah, in the house, about- Stuart. <laughs> never. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, and I agree that like season one and two, Carl would not have made any kind of list. Um, he he was you know zombie bait, uh, but obviously modern Carl is, is growing into a very scarily efficient killer uh, with you know probably some s- serious uh, psychopath tendencies. Um, which have tried to be reined in, you know, like there was all the farming stuff was basically like trying to get Carl back uh, in control. Uh, and, and so his inability to do as he's told and his overconfidence, which is basically just being a young kid, these, this is why he's not higher up on my list. Otherwise he would be, yeah, because I feel like there's so much potential there. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Good pick. I think that's it's you made a, a very good argument for Carl, uh, for young Carl. And I, I think what's cool about Carl is beginning to see what it would be like to grow up in this world and how your the the skills that you would learn that are so different from what teenagers learn now. And um I think that's interesting. I wish the show dealt with that a little bit more. Well he does like, ha- he does actually have that pretty interesting scene with Herschel. Where they're, out, where they're out and talking about, you know, Herschel's like, look at how peaceful it is. And Carl's like, no, how peaceful it was. Watch out for that zombie there. You know, like <laughs> that whole exchange is is really interesting and just shows the total difference in perspective because Carl is pretty much grown up with this. So, yeah. 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 And I think if you compare Carl versus Lizzie, um, there's... There's interesting ideas to explore there. Like why why has Carl been resilient um, and mm. has been able to maintain some level of mental health here? While the, the, the jury is out on the mental health piece with Carl, I would say. But I, go I mean, for it. I would say that like one of the big ways in which we define all this is given the environment that you're living in, is a person experiencing – is a person able to adjust to this environment? Are they experiencing any impairment and all of that? And I think given the impossible situation he's in, Carl's doing a pretty good job. He's 
been relatively resilient. I wish they explored a little bit more about his, maybe some of his loneliness being the only kid. Like how old is he supposed to be now? Is he like supposed to be going through puberty at this point? Um, I, I don't know. Cause they had switched it a little bit from the books. They made him a little bit older. And he's show. definitely supposed to be preteen yeah. or, or sorry, tweenish. Yeah. I think he's yeah. tweenish. So yeah. So it'd be interesting, like, how do you become a teenager in this world? Like, that, I don't know. I think that idea would be interesting. But, yeah, I, I like that pick. I think you made a good argument, what uh, is, good sir. What is your number five, Ollie? My number five is, uh, is an obvious one. It's Carol. Ah, um, okay. Like, especially given this episode, I needed her to be on my list. Uh, she started out... Um, like you said, Conrad, a character that was a little bit more black and white was pretty much just kind of this victim character, um, an individual who was a victim of domestic violence. But what we saw with this character is that we saw a lot of evolution. We saw this person change. She became someone who was very protective of uh, of the group. And um, she's someone who made some gray, morally ambiguous sort of uh, decisions. Um, and she – I loved seeing her teach the children how to survive in the prison. I thought that was um, her – sort of trying to pass on this idea of being a survivor and what that means. Um, so I, I love how much agency this character has developed. And that's why even when she does preemptively kill those, uh, those uh, people, um, it was two people, right, that she killed mm-hmm. back in, yeah. yeah. Even when she does that um, and, you know, you think about it and you're like, how, why are you doing this, uh, Carol? I love that this character had now developed this much agency that she was independently making this decision. I thought it was a great, great w- area to take the character. So Carol is my number five. Uh, she was actually my number four for similar reasons. Yeah. Um, did she appear on your list, Stuart? Yeah, but way lower down. <laughs> Meaning higher up or? Uh, yeah, I guess higher up. But wait for, uh, She's number two on my list. Should oh, I nice. tell you why now? Or should yeah, we that's cool. Um, so yeah, I, I just... I mean, a lot of the things that Ali said, I, I will echo, but I feel like they basically took Andrea from the comic books and injected all of that awesome into Carol, made her like 15 years older and even more awesome. And then this is the new Andrea to me. And and, mm. and so she's she's everything I was kind of looking for in that character. And, and I'm not disappointed. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to echo those sentiments. Um, and I also I also was um especially earlier on in the seasons just with with how they were treating her character and I was really hoping they were going to move her forward um especially as she kept on surviving um and there were there was definitely some big wobbles there but she's actually like she is definitely a character that I like now um yeah. and I wasn't so sure in the beginning when they introduced her and when we saw what she was doing within the show, that that was going to be true. So I am especially, and and this premiere has actually just, you know, made me like her a lot more. Which basically means she's going to die very soon. Probably, probably. (laughs) Especially, you know, they also, it's like those episodes that they highlight somebody like that, usually that also means they're going to die. So 
if you it's see flashbacks, like if you see flashbacks with him, oh, oh, it's over. <laughs> it's like a season one of Twenty Four. How um, it came down to if if the character had a Dell computer, they were going to turn out to be evil. But if they had an Apple computer, they turned out to be good. And so someone picked up on that, and it basically spoiled the whole show. Um, once you once you do pick up on that, I think there's a little bit of truth to that here, um, where the character is focused on. Uh, but Conrad, that's really uh, I think key to this character is uh, you didn't like this person early on. You didn't really think they were a complex character, and then they turn out to develop into one. And I think that's it's always fantastic writing and acting that mm. allows that to happen. I also agree with Stuart in that I think that they they totally destroyed An- the Andrea character and she was so much better in the books and it was so disappointing to see I don't even know what the regression that happened with mm-hmm. her and it, it was awful like I, I just honestly hated every moment that she was on on the in the show so uh, I'm it glad was you guys so I was that glad out. that they and so I'm really glad that they at least redeemed Carol here <laughs> so I, I'm glad Stuart you pointed that out because it is almost like as Carol improved, Andrea became so much worse. And it, it was almost like these characters were just totally passing, flip-flopping with each other. So that's a bummer. Um, I'm going to let um, I'm gonna let you guys uh, go for number four because I, well, I just stole both of your <laughs> number four and twos. My number four was the Carol. So what, Carol, was, your number, oh, well, what so, was your number four, Stuart? Yeah. My number four might also be contentious, and that's Michonne. Um because I, I assume contentious because a lot of people think she's like the best thing that's ever happened to the TV show. She was but, my number three. So, okay. Yeah. I'm, and you she, and I are close on that one. Well, and she's uh, on the, two. okay. So, um, yeah. well on my petulometer, I felt like in, in season three that she was a little bit too frowny face, silent, weird and brain damaged seeming to be fun to watch. Um, she was, you know, like she, literally petulant. It felt like and sullen and unwilling to communicate. And and I'm sure that was a lot of it was by design. And they couldn't just have her show up and be cheerful and happy. And they had to tell her whole backstory and explain why she is the way she is. And it has provided a, an interesting arc to her story that she is now so much more open and basically. Carl's like adoptive aunt or something um, in, in a lot of ways. But she is also such a badass. Also, uh, what cost her points and wouldn't didn't let me put her higher was her close relationship with Andrea. Yeah, um, I I had similar feelings. And, I you know, there's a feeling about her that I had in some way. Uh, I had similar feelings because of the way they treated her and the way they treated Andrea. And it was upsetting to me that they had these really amazing female characters that I didn't feel they were doing justice to on the show. I think they've definitely made her a lot better. Um, and there's been, they've given her a lot more depth in like that we've seen in the last season anyway. Um, but agree like that, especially initially they made her just so strange and cryptic and frowny faced. And I didn't understand why she and Andrea would be even friends. Um, really, like I didn't really get that bond at all. So, so I hear that I, she was my number three because of the progress that she's made. So, you know, I, I I still think that she's an amazing fighter. I totally trust her. I think she's 
somebody that um, I would definitely want on my team right in the forefront. <laughs> so. So I think one of the reasons why I put her as my number two and why she was a little bit higher on my list, um, I liked her relationship with Andrea in that she saw Woodbury for what it was and she didn't trust the governor. And it was nice to see her trying to open Andrea's eyes and say, hey, look, this is a really bad place. We need to get out of here. Um, so I, I did like that aspect. Uh, but I agree with you, Stuart. I think she was a little bit more boring early on. We get this introduction to her and she's very iconic with her sword, with the two sort of slave walkers that she has. Um, probably one of the most iconic looking characters based on, on that alone in the comic and on the show. Um, but she was a little boring for, during that middle part. And I think she's grown into um, uh, just a really interesting role in this group. So she, I like her for all the reasons you guys mentioned, um, while also acknowledging that the character's been shortchanged a bit. Yeah. What was your number four, Ali? Oh, my number four. Um, oh, the governor. Yeah. Was my number four. <laughs> I almost forgot it. I had to look at my show notes. Um, so uh, the reason why I've got the governor on this list is he has been such a um, such an interesting evil character for us to to see. Um, a good um, a good friend of mine who's also in the world of mental health. Uh, he and I like to watch The Walking Dead and, and talk about it the next day. And so uh, one Monday morning after a particular tough governor episode, we, he, I sat down with him and I said, so what do you think, Frank? What do you think about this episode? And he's like, you know, some people in this world are just evil and uh, the governor is one of them. <laughs> and so I, I like how the governor, we get to see this very cold and callous, um, calculating individual. I love um, the backstory that is revealed about him, how he is, how he has held on to his daughter. And it's, again, such a great example of how you think you know these characters and then there's something that's revealed about them. Or we see them do something that, that makes you see them in a different light, in a more complicated light. And this is what I think elevates The Walking Dead above um, some of the other um, genres genre TV, whether you're talking about the zombie genre or science fiction genre, where we get um, the trademark AMC sort of um, golden age of TV drama complexity. And I think the governor gave us a lot of that while also giving us a character that we just love to hate. Uh, I, you know, I, I liked that they expanded on him and his backstory um, in this past season and season four. I still, there's something about him that I just still don't, I don't, a lot, uh, some of the, the plot lines and some of the things that they set him up to do, even with the background to me, just seemed a little bit too evil, if that makes sense. Like, he's the guy you love to hate, and it seems like he was set up to be as such. So that's why he isn't on my list at all. Um, even though I did very much enjoy seeing the Governor and Penny cosplayers at, uh, at New York Comic Con. <laughs> um, I, you know, I liked aspects of him. There were definitely parts uh, when I liked him in the season, but I just felt like they could have done more with him. And again, maybe this is part of, maybe this is part of um, the, the drawback of reading the books um, in addition to watching the show. Mm. Um, but I don't know. What, did, did he appear on your list, Stuart? He does not appear on my list, but I, I will say that 
compared to the comic book or to the books, he is actually a more well-rounded character in the TV show. He is more relatable. He, his name is Philip or Brian or whatever the you know hell his name is. I'm not Philip even sure. Blake. Okay, he actually yeah. has a real name. Very um, generic. It, <laughs> but he he definitely is better a better more rounded character in the in the TV show. I guess he doesn't make my list uh, in part because I didn't really like the way that they did the whole. Now my name is Brian. Um, yeah. And, and mm. reintroduction of his character. I didn't think that I felt like it was filler in a way and a, like an odd mid season finale kind of, it wasn't even mid season, but like it was a, the actual, the second part of the, of the, of season. F- no, wait, it was mid season four, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It, it, it felt very, uh, it felt a little forced and, um, I didn't, it didn't enjoy the way his story arc went, which isn't fair when you're really just measuring up characters. And as a character, I feel like he was quite strong, uh, so I think it's, it's a good choice. Yeah, I mean, I think oh, it's, I'm not. It's, I'm just saying why he didn't appear on my list, and I'm not saying that he was better in the books. I think there was just like a very clear, okay, this is the governor, this is the storyline, he's in and he's out. And I guess maybe part of what I was trying to say is that he it did feel like some of that story arc was filler and and not necessary. Um, I, yeah. I would have been fine if he had never reappeared, but. And, and- that's, That's what's so me. interesting about this is that I think part of this is also the experience that you guys are bringing in having read all the comics, which I haven't. And I think the the other thing, you're right, it did feel like a good part of those episodes were filler. And at the same time, what I still enjoyed about seeing the governor there was it was so in keeping with that callous and cold-blooded, manipulative um aspect of the governor and what he would do he would totally be the guy who would uh, try to construct this other identity and and to uh, join this group and uh, still want that revenge against rick so no I, I i but i also hear you guys um so that was my four and i think we've covered everyone's four yeah and, um, and my three because my three, was, three <laughs> michonne. was michonne yeah so um, Stuart, but- what is your three my number three, and uh, be still your beating heart, H.A., was Daryl. <gasps> I know. I know. I'm sure he's number you know, one. You in know your, who he is heart. on my list. He's number one, <laughs> of course. Um, I think Daryl is is super badass. And he's like the obviously the my favorite character who has been introduced on the TV show so far, uh, as opposed to, you know, not being in the books whatsoever. He... Uh, and Norman Reedus is amazing, and Daryl is awesome. And the whole Merle Daryl thing was a great three season, in a way, storyline. Epic. Uh, One like, of the best, I would it say. It really yeah. was. Uh, however, um, Daryl doesn't make my number one if I have to justify that because when Daryl gets petulant, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. He does get he, he gets super sulky. Sullen, sulky Daryl is not fun to watch. And you know, hey, that's part. Like I've said earlier, like all of these characters have flaws, and I guess it's unfair of me to then say, well, I only want to um, I want to rate them based on how much their flaws bother me or don't. Uh, so, but Daryl, when he does get sulky, it, it's, it's difficult, but I do. I mean, he's, he's an amazing part of this group, part of this cast. The show would feel very weird without him. Yeah. Keep placating me. Keep placating me. That's good. <laughs> That's good. So he was my number three. Um, 
And so, Ali, did he appear on your list? Yeah, Daryl was number one on my list. Uh-huh. Daryl was number one. Um, and not just because he's so hunky, as, as Conrad would say. Um, I don't think it, I have ever said that, actually. What? <laughs> no, I don't. I Only mean, Darryl, in secret. No, I think Daryl is oh, come all... come on, dude. Guys. You have definitely alluded towards uh, I do. Hunkiness. I think... I think uh, Norman Reedus is attractive as Daryl. His hair is a little bit greasy for my taste. Um, I do like the the story. I like. I loved the um, Merle Daryl story, um, and all the interesting things that happened related to that. Um, I Conrad, like what Conrad. Here's the thing: you're talking to two of your co-hosts right now right. from two shows. And we both know that you find Daryl very hungry. <laughs> no, I mean he's he needs a bath. Clearly, sure, they all do. They all do. So yeah. I can't, you know, get over that piece really, unfortunately. But in any case, I do think you know if you were if you were to rate the attractiveness of the cast, yeah, he's he's my number one, no question. Um, Michonne's pretty close too, though. I think she's pretty awesome. Um, but you know, he's. He is this character that you see all sorts of like unexpected things from. So I kind of like yeah. that. Well, and but. he's my number one largely because of his um, not only the arc. I, I guess that's a big theme for me is is seeing these characters transform as the seasons go on. Really feeling like these characters do change and evolve and respond to the the nature of the show. But I think the the thing with Daryl was his relationship with Merle. Um, it was complex and it felt so real. Um, it really felt like a, you know, uh, many of us have had these relationships either with family members or with individuals we're close to like family where they sometimes drive us crazy and we're linked to this other person in some way and um, we disagree with them, we fight with them and at the same time we love them and I think, I think we saw this with Merle and Daryl and it was heartbreaking heartbreaking to see that final scene with with the two of them when daryl has to take out zombie merle it was uh probably one of the most emotional moments of the show for me um but i i love this character i love seeing him interact with rick with merle with carol um i think he's one of the most interesting people in the group to see um just to see and then you know the the few episodes last season where he was kind of out on his own and i'm like no Daryl, don't don't be with that group. That's a bad group. They're gonna turn you bad. Get away from them. Um, just is that, uh, is that exactly how you said it? That's yes. <laughs> that's pretty Conrad, awesome. I, I talk to the TV. And the <laughs> I know you like do. That. It's awesome. I believe that they can hear me. Um, so uh, yeah, Daryl's my number so one. So who is your your number three then? Okay, here's where you guys are gonna get mad at me. Um, my number three is a cheat. Um, oh, Stuart, uh, you cannot pick more than one person for your number three. Why do you know I'm doing this, Conrad? Because I know, know how you things? cheat. Is it like a group of people? <laughs> um, or it could be a uh, postmodern idea about a character in The Walking Dead. No. Um, Stuart Conrad always likes to cheat on, on no, Superfantastic. No, I have only, only once really, really played that card. But okay, go for it. By once, you mean like 10 episodes? Citizen Kane. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> oh, to you, Ollie. Total oh, cheat. Oh, gosh. Okay, my my number two, uh, or my number three is a couple. 
And I'm going with Glenn and Maggie on this um, as a couple. Mm. I really love these two characters. Um, I, I think they they can be on our list. They can probably be on our list as separate characters. But um, it's great to see these characters interact for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I bought their relationship. It always made sense to me. And I think a, it's hard to do a love story in the face of a zombie apocalypse and the show has made made it possible and these actors have have done a really great job with this um and uh yeah i'll I'll leave it at that um i I love this couple um they were on my honorable mentions but since i knew that we couldn't pick two people they didn't appear on my list um because i do rules are meant to be broken um, and I, I mean, I like Glenn and I like, you know, I think their relationship does provide some relief, like comic relief from time to time. Um, and I think it's necessary in the show that's so dark, um, especially earlier on their, the starting of their relationship provided a lot of that too. Um, and I, I like how they've become a team, but, um, I have other people that I just, I liked a little bit more or felt like moved forward certain ideas and plot lines so um yeah yeah Glenn since i've heard you guys maggie. do honorable mentions before i i did write maggie down as a as an honorable mention but sans uh glenn uh but i think that it's that's the appropriate way to actually to do it in a way I mean, not to to endorse breaking the rules ha but i think <laughs> they, they as a couple make more sense than either one of them Agreed. Um, alone but i did put maggie down honorably mentioned because of almost entirely because of last season when she killed like 13 zombies with a road sign yeah that uh, was that pretty on, cool yeah, on its own got yes. her into like the zombie killing hall of fame yeah so. that was good that was a good <laughs> sequence um so number two. Number two, Conrad, what do you we've we've stolen a bunch of your picks. What's your number yeah. two? My number two is also probably controversial. Um and I picked a character that is long dead. Um, but they actually they kept him around longer than he was supposed to be around. Um, but huh. I actually picked Shane. Um uh. which I know is going to be controversial. But um, Shane as a character was one of the only characters speaking with a lot of sense. Um, and when he went crazy, he went like really, really crazy. Um, and you know, I, there were things that his character brought up or certain things that he made the group think about that they weren't thinking about. Um, and I felt like sometimes, even though everybody ganged up on him, he was making the most sense in certain ways. Um, so he is my number two. I feel that definitely. Um, John Bernthal was an amazing Shane, and Shane on this show brought, as you've said, uh, he, he asked a lot of the right questions. He did things that were absolutely the wrong thing. Oh, totally. But there's a there's a, an argument to be made here, and not like a difficult one to come to this conclusion that Rick has basically taken on almost all of the Shane's, uh, you know, like Shane-like attributes since Shane's uh, death. Right. And, yeah. and yeah. With, you know, with the exception that prob- Rick probably still wouldn't kill Otis at this point, uh, or at least maim Otis so that he could get away. <laughs> I don't think Rick would, would cross that line. And, and Shane doing that really kind of, you know, that was obviously uh, a huge problem for that character. But I, I agree that Shane, Shane is massive 
and and hugely important to this show. So I get it. You know, Conrad, what made me really like Shane again was seeing all the Shane cosplay and your comic god. It kind of reminded me of why I really like this character. And, and I'm glad you put him on our list or on someone's list here because he was a very important character. Um, like you guys said, he asked the right questions. Um, I I honestly really miss seeing Shane and Rick together. Um, it was it was really nice to see a friendship like that, and I know it got really complicated as as the show went on. But that's one of the things that I love about Walking Dead is um, is how it does have really these well developed relationships, and that's why I had Glenn and Maggie on my list. And I, I miss seeing that type of friendship. Um, Shane was a character I really loved season one. Um, so yeah, good pick. Was your number two Carol, Stuart? Yeah. My number two was Carol, yes. Okay. Yeah. You guys, we're at, and, and my number two is Michonne. Yeah. So we're at number one. Yeah, and everybody knows what our number ones are, Ali. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, Daryl. <laughs> Daryl Dixon. Uh, Stuart, you, you got so, the spotlight So here. Stuart gets to have the yeah. big reveal here. Bum, 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 bum. This, is, this is weird that, that this guy wasn't on anybody else's list. Um, my number one uh, is Tyrese. Really? And this, uh, this might be uh, weird because I admit that there is some sentimentality bleeding over from the wire <laughs> as mm. well as from the comics. Um, and, but, but ultimately Tyrese in this TV show, I feel like this character has the correct proportions of bloodthirstiness, capability and remorse. And I feel like when he was introduced as a character from his introduction, he's been like Mr. Positivity Zombocalypse uh, survivor. And, and, even though he went into the to the uh, governor's camp for a while, it was because Rick was being completely bananas. And even through you know through all of these arcs, he's been. I feel like his reactions have been almost completely appropriate, with the exception of uh, trying to kill Rick at some point. But he, like he makes up for this by uh, repeatedly being mobbed by zombies. And surviving <laughs> against all odds. He is He uh, is the ultimate zombie survivor, as far as I can tell. He is. And actually when we were watching the scene in the in the premiere last night, Bill was like, Oh no, what's gonna happen to him? I'm like, Oh, it's it's gonna be okay. He, like, no he's worries. just gonna, he's gonna kill gonna all of them. And <laughs> and he like does that. Yeah. Um, this is what he does. He he's is, basically what it comes down to is he's the survivor I would wanna be. He, he believes in a better world. He wants to help his fellow man. And H.A., on our podcast, we sometimes talk about how depressing it is that, everybody <laughs> that in these post-apocalyptic yeah. scenarios, everybody is out to get everybody. And I want to believe, like Tyrese does, that nobody else has to die today, which he says in the, uh, in the premiere of this season. And he uses a hammer, which was uh, one of my gift uh, holiday, uh, reanimated holiday um, gift ideas for the zombie apocalypse is I, I think good. a hammer is kind of the ideal anti-zombie weapon. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why I love Tyrese, uh, but that's why he was my number one. That's a good choice. Um, he's on my, he's on my honorable mention for those reasons, only because we didn't have like a top, you know, eight zombie characters or something. I, I think <laughs> or, it's or epic. Top, top eight uh, walking dead characters. But no, I think that all makes sense. Um, that's and, an epic argument, Stuart, for, for your number one. 
I, I fully support it. I'm, I'm wondering, does goodwill from the comics also bleed in to your love of this character? Admittedly, yeah. Uh, but Tyrese has already outlived his that stint character. in the comics. Yeah. And yeah. so it's all bor- borrowed time in my book. And, uh, they, they've, 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 kept they, him, <laughs> they've kept him living. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he made unto me honorable mentions, as I mentioned, uh, Glenn and Maggie. Um, I also had Merle and Dale. In my honorable mentions, too. Oh, Dale. I forgot about Dale. Um, and Dale, for similar re- well, you know, he was a little bit, you know, he and Herschel sometimes played similar roles. Um, but and but he Dale had, had more of that Dale face. That well, he, he had the crazy eyebrows, and I, <laughs> mi- and I miss those. You know I like that. So You like your fighting eyebrows. Yep. Anybody else with honorable mentions? You guys name mine. Um, I had Merle on it. Um, Herschel. Um, Stuart, did you have any other honorable mentions? I was, Maggie was the only one who made the list, and, and I feel like you, you've both raised uh, good, good arguments for people, either, even to get onto my top five, but uh, you know, in the absence of redoing my entire list, I'll, I'll say that, yeah, the governor, I don't know that Merle would make my list, because <laughs> uh, he's a pretty hard character to, uh, to get behind. He is, but he's an interesting, problematic character. Yeah. He definitely is that. He definitely is. And then he's got that crazy arm, you guys. He's got that hook arm. And that, scratchy, like that? And that scratchy voice. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, just the fact that this guy sawed off his own hand. Um, I mean, just wow. And then to see him again after such a long period of time. I, I don't know. Was it two seasons? Um, yeah. Between yep. The- yeah, that was that was great, and that's another thing that the show does well. And um, it this show so reminds me of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine in so many ways, <laughs> where it develops all these casts of recurring characters and it fleshes out these relationships. And I think Merle is a great example of it. I don't know about that comparison, but <laughs> you just wanted to throw in Deep Space Nine, Ollie. <laughs> well, he reminds me of um, Kai Wynn. And like I, I just love Haiti kind of both those characters. But anyways, we're talking zombies, not Star Trek, so sorry. Uh, well, this... Star Trek's the other thing that has to be evoked in every episode. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I was like wondering where it was gonna pop up. So so it's good. It's good. Um but this has been a really uh, a really fun time talking about this with you guys. So so thank you so much, Stuart, for 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 guesting on on SFNH. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Stuart, we loved having you. It was so much fun uh, to, to have this epic crossover uh, today and to talk zombies with you guys. And I'm just so in awe, again, of your guys' love and knowledge of the zombie genre. Well, you know, it's, it's you know, dedication. <laughs> <laughs> well, so speaking of that, where can um, zombie fans learn a little bit more about uh, your guys' podcast? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Stuart do the honors here. Okay, cool. Uh, so we are at reanimatedpodcast.com or on the Twitter at reanimatedpcast. I hear you have some trouble with those sometimes, AJ, on this podcast. <laughs> when, when, I, when I get very sleepy, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get confused about the PCAST and the podcast. Um, and um, on Twitter, people can find me at DiePrince, very rarely. Um, and then where can people find you, Ollie? 
Uh, people can find me on Twitter at AliMatu. I'm also the science fiction psychologist at BrainKnowsBetter.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. What did you guys think about the season premiere of The Walking Dead? Um, who do you think would be a more trustworthy leader, Rick or Rick? And <laughs> who are your top five characters on The Walking Dead? Let us know at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com. Um, send us a tweet at NerdHour. Or um, actually, tweet us at Nerd Hour and Reanimated PCAS, and we'll have a joint discussion. I think that'll be more fun. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. So yeah. thank you so much. So until next time. Well, do your best to survive that zombie apocalypse and live long and prosper. Oh, I thought you were going to say live long and live again and prosper or something. No? Oh, man, that would have been so much better. Yeah, too bad, too bad. You missed it, you wow. missed it. Um, indeed. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. See you later. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks. Bye.